Hey, everybody. Welcome to tonight's Late Night Happy Hour. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky. Excited tonight to be joined by our friend Lindsay Theory. Covers the Rams in the NFL for ESPN. Who is doing... She is stopping her work. <laughs> like, she does real work. Like, Andy and I just do this. Like, we just yam around. Lindsay's doing real work. And she's stopping it to come talk to us. Real work. A deadline. Yeah. We should let people know. Like, Lindsay's going to end up up all night because she took the time out to just screw around with two jackasses like us. So yep. we really appreciate it. L Lindsay, no. before we started, was the Kermit gift. <laughs> you know, just typing I, on I'm, 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 like, I'm always like, hi, I get so excited to see people. Um, <laughs> I was tempted to say, you guys, I have this feature. I can't, I can't do this. But this is our third time trying to do this. <laughs> and the previous two times, I was like, oh my gosh, something came up, but I can't be here. So third time's a charm. I'm here. I'm doing it for you guys. Thank this you. is also going to give me like a second to let the creative juices just right. Just you should just be. I'm doing this for you guys, people. But be aware, I'm really not focused on it. I'm, I'm mostly thinking about my stuff that I've got going on. So don't ask me a lot of I questions. Think you're in a good okay? place. I, my right. story right now, my writing is in a good place. Can, can you can you give a sneak peek to people or, or let people know uh, what it's actually about? It's, no. No. So no, what, what if Brian <laughs> and I on ESPN.com? I can't tell you. I mean, it's it's good. It's personality driven. That's my specialty. I mean, like, what's the worst thing that happens, Lindsay? Like, if if Brian and I guess this thing and you accidentally slip up, like, do you get a, do you get an angry phone call? Do you get suspended? No, like, how bad is this? No, no, and I I could probably tell you. I'm just like I'm like oddly competitive, and I like to be like, oh, boom! You didn't know I was working on this one, did you? Even though it's like. Off. It's it's a really good. I, I don't know if it's so a good. Basically, what you're saying is, if if you you're worried if you say it out loud that like Gary, Gary Klein, Klein is, is, is going to like just break out of the really fast piece. Gary is a fierce competitor. I mean, he might just try and jump in there and snag it. That and is, it, I mean, it is right to do so. Right, and if Gary's not doing that, Jordan Rod Rodriguez. I mean, like, there's so many different yeah. people. You got yeah. you got like different Rams blogs. They're all going to jump all over this trying to beat Hammond, you. Rich Hammond, he's shifty. Hey, you guys, I'm competitive. I just can't let it go no matter how far away from my old, good old competitive days. Like, there's just something deep inside. I can't reveal it. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is what it is. Tell people, by the way, what you played, uh, if, if they're not aware. Uh, I played volleyball um, my whole life, basically. Um, played up until college. Played at the University of Washington and then... Um, after I rode the bench and realized I'm never getting off the bench and, uh, I wasn't necessarily loving life, um, and realized I need to like prepare for when I need a job that's going to pay me in a career, which is in volleyball. Um, I gave that up and, <laughs> and yet uh, you chose journalism. Yeah. <laughs> which doesn't give me a life really. I mean, I've been stuck in this room all day long trying to write, 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 but so it's my a fun my job. I remember my first story, which was about my coach that wouldn't play me on the volleyball team. <laughs> a scathing feature on. Well, they uh, deserve to play. I was on the team of the Olympians. They deserve to play. I was a great ball shagger and like a human serving machine. <laughs> human serving machine was actually the name of my band in high school. So yeah, um, I like that. Um, so how 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 have things been? How is this like? This has been a crazy week for the Rams because. This was their first week of, of of players testing positive for COVID. How did that? How does that work? Like, what happened, and what did it mean for practices, and what does it mean for 
preparation for the big Monday night game? Yeah, so basically everyone is tested every single day. The players, the coaches, the support staff who are at the practice facility. Um, so they had a positive test. They test in the morning and they get those results at night. Um, so you don't, you have you come into the facility in the morning, you test, you go about your day, and you don't actually know if you're positive with the coronavirus until that evening. Um, so they catch it early, but they don't catch it before you might have been in contact with other people. Um, so, of course, earlier this week, was that on Tuesday? Was it on Tuesday? I, it's, the week's all, I'm like, yeah. all, all the days are messed up now because the Rams play on Monday, so everything's pushed back a day. But earlier this week, um, around 11 o'clock at night, uh, the Rams announced that they had a positive test, and that was just shortly after they found out because, um, again, they don't get the morning test back until the evening. So they have placed three players on their COVID-19 reserve list. Um, those three players are all in the practice squad. Uh, the Rams have not revealed. They cannot, per the rules, tell you uh, which person has tested positive. Uh, but it's safe to look at that and say, okay, one of those guys tested positive, and um, those are obviously his close contacts. If not, somebody else tested positive, although it would be likely that uh, with the Rams announcing one positive, they'd probably announce subsequent positives. So, so if, like, you know, they can't tell you who got it, yeah. But by rule, you would think if – do they have to put the person who tests positive on the COVID like regardless? Yeah, so so you would think like, oh, I'll find out when they do that. And some teams, it does work that way. Um, but, again, the Rams uh, have three players who they put, put on the COVID reserve list. So one of those players you assume – I mean, obviously, is the person who tested positive. The other two um, were in close contact with okay. that player. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they were just there for like a cover, like a cover wow. story. Wow. Uh, now, this is like uh, it's getting kind of hairy with the NFL right now. I mean, there are a lot of teams over the last week or so that have been dealing with COVID uh, positive COVID tests. And it's something that's gone on for the entire season. But it's also at a time where, frankly, the entire country is spiking. How much concern have you picked up? from both the Rams and the league in terms of the viability of finishing the season, the playoffs, all of that? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, the season still really hasn't, with the exception of a couple of rescheduling games, really has been going forward quite smoothly, all, all things considered. Um, for the Rams, this is the first positive test they've had since players reported to training camp. So, I mean, that's a, that's like a resounding success. Uh, there's only, I think, one more team with the Seahawks who haven't had a, a positive test yet. So it was kind of inevitable. We all knew this day would come. I mean, to get through an entire season, I have one positive test. Pretty unlikely, given the circumstances. Um, but but by and large, I think the Rams are really kind of pleased with how they've been able to handle this. I mean, from their players to their facility, they have this huge tent that they put up in their parking lot. So um, even with the NFL going into stricter protocols, uh, they can still have their meetings in person. The tent's outside. It's huge. It's the entire parking lot. Plenty of room for distancing and whatnot. So, um, you know, they're taking it very seriously, but it, it, it they're still chugging right along. Do they have, to, like, policies? I mean, obviously, the NFL has its protocols for what it does when you're at the facility, when you're at games, how you travel, and all this other stuff. Do the Rams have like team policies, like stuff that they tell guys to do when they're away from the field? Uh, they can't like 
they don't have rules. You can't really tell players like you're not allowed to go to a restaurant. You're not allowed to do this or, or whatnot. But I think there can be strong suggestions. Um, that being said, I think there's a lot of personal responsibility. You know, the Rams can't monitor their players all day, every day, and hold their hands when they're not at the practice facility. But the guys know what's on the line, right? Like, they don't want to miss games. They don't want games to be canceled. Um, and frankly, like, because a couple of them have said, like, there's not much to do in California right now anyway. Like, what's really good right. to go do? There, there's not a whole lot. So um, there's not a lot, a ton of concern when guys aren't in yeah. the facility that they're out doing anything that they maybe shouldn't be doing. There is very little right now in this city worth taking the risk for COVID on right now. I mean, like, really, there's just not much going on. Unless your circle is just behaving really irresponsibly, yeah. there just isn't anything to do. I've got nothing to do. No, I mean, I mean, my my God, you're on with us. How how much could you have to do right now, Lindsay? I mean, you're on a deadline and you're still on with us. There's nothing going on. No, I, you know, like around our house, we just go for a daily walk, if even that, and maybe go pick up some food to go uh, from one of the local restaurants a couple times a week. And other than that, we're here. Is it, it the 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 football experience is is an interesting one for people who don't know like. You you go in and you're you're in the locker room and you kind mm-hmm. of talk to guys and there's some there's some time for informal uh, you know chat and for somebody like you who's there all the time and really covers it and I assume you can contact guys in any number of ways but how how has this impacted your ability to kind of find stories and stuff like that because you can't get near anyone to really tell you know to to get that kind of information. I did not realize how many of my story ideas were generated from open locker room. I mean, I would see you guys in the locker room last couple seasons, right? And yeah. you just I, I took for granted because we were always like, oh, gonna get more time, more time. We always want more time in the locker room. But truly, just being able to kind of casually talk with players, getting to kind of observe different things going on in the locker room, players chat with others, like who are friends, like what. This guy has funny shoes in his locker. You never know what you're going to find in the locker room or what kind of conversation you're going to have. Um, so that is just like a gold mine for story ideas. Um, I know that this year I've been a little thin on sending story pitches <laughs> to my editor. I'm like, I don't know. Like, or, or even just like, even just getting a feel for like the locker room vibe or, yeah. you know, like who whose voices matter, you know, like who are some of the you know, the, the people who have juice in a locker room that you might not guess, or, you know, even somebody like, like Michael Brockers is great to just talk with. Yeah. He's a great locker room guy. He, he will give you always, at least in my experience, as much time as you could ever possibly want. And he'll talk about whatever. And like stuff like that is really valuable that, you know, if you're just waiting for somebody else or just like to get sort of you know, perspective, mm-hmm. all that stuff. And, and you lose out on a lot of different opportunities. Definitely. And, you know, part of being a reporter is building relationships. That means you're talking to people when you don't necessarily need something from them, right? I hate when I'm just like, oh, I need you to answer this question. Like, no, I would, I genuinely would like to know, how is your wedding? Like, oh, your wife's going to give birth. That's amazing. Or how's, you know, little Johnny? Oh, he's two now. That's terrific. Like, you do get to know these people on like a human level. So, um, you know, you this season you just miss out on that. Like, I would love to ask Johnny Hacker, like, right? Oh, you have a daughter now, right? I haven't been able to have that conversation with him. Uh, and then the thing is, like, when you do talk to players on Zoom, 
you really don't get to have that conversation there no. either. Kind of like get in, get out, get on with it. Now there are some um, so, guys though, I mean, that probably enjoy it this way, you know, prefer it this oh, way. Are you kidding? There's tons of players <laughs> that love it this way. Like no reporters in the locker room bugging us. But yeah, but some some guys love it. Some guys have only Oh yeah, that's what's weird this year. You guys aren't in there, and then they still love that we're not in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, plus too, every time you ask a question, you got Klein stealing the answers for his own stories. No, like, no, Gary, <laughs> no, but it is, it is an interesting thing though. Like we just, and we went through it with basketball. Like everybody, like you really can't get that insider information because everybody has access to the same stuff. So it, yeah, it's hard. Um, this, I, this is like the like kind of like the. The the make like I don't want to say the make or break week, but probably the most interesting week so far on the Rams schedule uh, since last week. Um, I was just saying, break, last week was huge, right? But then we're not we're not here to live in the past anymore. And so the Rams yeah. uh, the Rams won that game, um, and we're going to talk more about the NFC West because there was a great game tonight that kind of uh, informs what we saw last week when the Rams beat Seattle. But looking ahead to the Brady game, uh, yeah. you know the Rams go back east again. And this time, though, they're playing a real team. How how significant do you think this game is at this point in the season and really trying to establish where the Rams are relative to the rest of the competition in the NFC? So I think the Rams established where they are last week when they beat the Seahawks. Now, that being said, I know we're going forward, going forward here in a sec. Uh, the Seahawks <laughs> were injured, right? Like we saw what they did tonight. I, I saw just a couple glimpses, actually. Um, but with Carlos Hyde back in the lineup, offense looked improved. Um, that being said, they go to Tampa Bay and right. I mean, no matter what, like Bucks have had a few ups and downs. They got dismantled by the Saints, but it's always going to be Tom Brady. Um, he's always, whenever he's playing football, you're, it's hard to bet against Tom Brady. So if the Rams can go across country, beat the Bucks. If this defense, I mean, they were lights out against. Russell Wilson, if they can play that same brand of football against Tom Brady, they have a really good shot of winning, obviously. And I think if they do, you have to start talking about them. Like, I mean, they're the surprise team, but they are starting to look like they have an outside shot if they beat the Bucks to really kind of be one of the final three teams there when you go down the playoff stretch for the NFC Championship. How, surpri how surprising actually would – the Rams, you know, keeping pace with Seattle, maybe ending up winning this division, do you think would be in, in terms of where they are now versus whatever expectations you had heading into the season? I think a huge uh, surprise. Going into the season, it looked like maybe they were the third, maybe the fourth. Some people just finished fourth in the division. Um, I think I had them third. And that's really based off the fact that Sean McVay hired three new coordinators like over the offseason. Season they moved on from Todd Gurley. They moved on from Brandon Cooks. You look at their defense. Most of those guys left in free agency. Uh, you know, of course, you can't go too much against like a defense that has Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey on it. But again, you just didn't know. And you have first year coordinator that could be great, or it might not work out at all. You don't know. Um, so with the with all of those unknowns, it was easy to think like, okay, the Rams probably aren't going to be super great this year. Um, so well, I, I was I was absolutely skeptical. I didn't think they'd be yeah, terrible. Yeah. I didn't think they'd be good. Like well, I thought the, it'd be the pretty entire good. offense has run through Todd Gurley the last several years, even when he was banged up last year. Um, so there was a lot of questions, and if they can now be talked about as a, as a front runner in the NFC, I mean, forget the NFC West in the NFC. 
mm-hmm. um, in the conference. Like that, that's a resounding success of a season. And I think it really proves that Sean McVay, not that he needed to prove anything. He went to the Super Bowl in his second season, but it really proves he can build a coaching staff too. And he can kind of go out and do his own hiring and um, figure out the pieces when some of his best pieces moved on. How do you think, what do you, what, how have you seen him? Obviously, you know, what Brandon Staley's done on the defensive side has gotten a ton of attention and rightly so. How have you seen McVay change sort of what he's done from, you know, that second season where they, you know, they go to the Super Bowl to, to here with, you know, different personnel, different, you know, different stylers certainly seem to be running the ball a little bit differently. Uh, what's different about what he's done and how he's adjusted the league adjusting to him? Yeah, I think uh, the personnel packages and personnel groupings, that's probably what stood out the most, right? Remember in 2018, it was like 11 personnel all day, every day. Um, Same three receivers, Todd Gurley in the backfield. I mean, it just never changed. And they were so efficient at doing it. And now this season, um, I know I answer like fantasy questions every week. Like this guy had a big week last week. It's going to be a big week this week. And they have so many different playmakers um, and they're spreading the ball around so much that week to week, you really have no idea who Jared Goff is really going to look for in target. Uh, we've seen way more 12 personnel. Uh, we see a bring back committee, which again, when you just had Todd Gurley, it was Todd Gurley all the time with an occasional Malcolm Brown sighting. Um, so McVay's really evolved in just using his entire arsenal of players versus um, just going through that 11 personnel where it's like, you're in the starting 11 or you're not playing. Now, <laughs> Everyone has a chance to get in there. It's interesting. The last couple of weeks, you mentioned that running back by committee, like the, the carries have been split between three guys, pretty mm-hmm. close to even yeah. Do you, now that we're, you know, heading in the second half of the season. And I know for a lot of the early parts, there had been, I know at least from the outside looking in for me, but I've heard other people talk about it too, like kind of difficult to figure out exactly what McVeigh was looking for or what he was sort of, heading towards before it really seems like this even split. Do you get a sense of what he's looking for when he decides to use whichever running back? Um, I think mostly he's just looking for a running. Well, early downs, he's looking for a back that can run the ball. Later downs, he's looking for a back that can keep Jared Goff upright. <laughs> uh, I know a lot of people want to see more Cam Akers. And the hardest thing with a rookie running back is to be patient. Uh, I was talking to Malcolm Brown about it last week asking him like how hard is it your rookie season when you were young to pick up pass protection and to know who you're blocking and where they're coming from and he said it was really hard it takes a long time so Sean McVay said uh, Cam Akers has to be better with without the ball in his hand so that's all Mm -hmm. pass protection Um, so I think until he really sees that that we're going to continue to see this committee and that's why Malcolm Brown gets paid because he can help keep Jared up. So uh, those guys are on your fantasy right, team. For, for the guy who is seen as the sort of least pass-friendly uh, of the three running backs, although he's a perfectly you know he's a perfectly capable receiver, he's mm-hmm. you know the other guys are are, are viewed in, in another way. But he plays an awful lot of third downs. That's why. That's why. So that Jared Goff is standing up to pass the ball. You know who was terrible at pass blocking in high school? This guy. <laughs> I was not good at giving our was quarterback. Was it an effort thing or 
or was it like a scheme thing? You didn't know where to I, go. I say it was. I say no. It was, it was a talent thing. It was, it, 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 that's the problem. It was. A, I, it was a talent thing. I blame the scheme for not making me want to put myself between the quarterback and the guy who was coming. I was much. I was much better just that running out to try to catch the Yeah, I don't like. Didn't like blocking. It wasn't really my thing. That's it's funny. dumb. Like I'm putting myself in between a guy. Like that, that guy's trying to hurt me. That's I don't want to do that. for your teammate. Yeah, I mean, it seems like you're sort of missing the whole point of football at this point, where where you don't want to get, you don't want to make contact with somebody coming at you. Like, wait, what are you doing out there? I again, I didn't, didn't say I was very good at it. I'm just, just saying, didn't like yeah. it. Didn't like pass blocking. Um, so, but like the the offense though is is. It's funny because you know when you look at the sides of the ball and had to figure out which one is more disappointing, you'd point to the offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, how how much of this is untimely turnovers combined with just a disaster of a kicking game, and how much of it is, yeah, they've got some you know, whether it's personnel, whether it's things they can and cannot do, um, you know, in terms of figuring out like what evens itself out and what to look for over the last, you know, six games, seven games of the season. Yeah, I don't, you know, I, it's kind of hard. Can I see a mixture of all of it? Uh, sure. Um, you know, the Miami Dolphins really disrupted what the Rams were trying to do, right? Like Brian Flores has had Sean McVay's number now twice. Um, you know, going forward, it's like they're not always going to see those zero pressure situations. But you need to see Jared Goff handle that better. Um, against the Seahawks, Jared had and, – and Jared Goff, when he is on, he is on fire. He's a very accurate quarterback. I mean, very effective quarterback when things are going well. Um, but we saw some uncharacteristic – and at one point, some points, not uncharacteristic anymore if you keep overthrowing Cooper Cup. Um, but I think they need him to, to step up another level. He, I think he's slumping at the wrong time of the season. Um they need to get him back on track. And I think that this last game, you saw them really get back to running the ball. I mean, that's what Sean came into the season wanting to do is run the football and do it aggressively. We saw them do that. Week three was a great example against the Bills. They were down by more than 25 points. They went on a 29-0 run. Um, they had to come from behind and did that by running of the football. So as long as they stay committed to that like they did against the Seahawks, um, you know, Jared will get back in his groove, and I, I think they'll be fine. But the offense has got to kind of get out of this little slump. Speaking of trying to get out of that slump and find consistency, Andrew Whitworth out mm-hmm. for at least a, maybe until the playoffs, assuming the Rams get there. How bit on the field and also just in the locker room, how big of a loss is that? And just what, again, from distance over Zoom, like we talked about earlier. What what did you sense was just the vibe of the team knowing he was going to be out? Because, I mean, his, his voice matters as much as anybody's on that team. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, we saw it on the field, right? When he goes down, I mean, players get injured all the time and they're kind of hurried off and whatnot. But, like, you don't always see players from both teams, like, taking a knee, standing around, waiting to see if everything's okay. Um, you know, he's obviously been a leader for the Rams since he arrived in 2017. That's a huge loss. Um, and not to minimize that loss because again, leader of the team, sturdy, sturdy left tackle who'd been, been playing as good as anyone, uh, this season. 
Um, but the Rams do have to like, move forward, right? They can't just lament that they lost their left tackle. Uh, Joe Nopum was three years ago to eventually replace Andrew Whitworth. I'm not saying he's going to win that forever right now, but this is his chance to prove. Well, Whitworth's never going to retire, apparently. Yeah, apparently. Like, no, he's, no. he's just going to keep playing forever. And losing like eight pounds a year to keep staying slim until like his last two seasons, he's going to be a wide receiver. He turns 39 next month, you guys. Like, he's still playing. Wait, yeah, turn 39. He's still playing in the NFL. That's pretty you, good, I right? mean, particularly at that position, my God, you got to yeah. love this. Like, well, I mean, to be playing. Big. Like, I mean, that every time you watch him, like, get into his stance and, like, I'm like, God, like, I get tired just bending over to pick up my shoes. You know, this guy's doing that play in and play out. Yeah. I mean, it's really. It's pretty amazing to be playing that particular position. It's like it's like him and Jackie Slater or like well, the dude. But the thing about it too is like last year you could tell oh, maybe like you kind of there's a little bit of slippage in, in what Whitworth was doing. You see yeah. the guys who great out linemen. He wasn't bad by any stretch, but he wasn't the dominant. And this year he's been fantastic. And so like I don't know, he bounced back and and it's just crazy how effective he is. I mean, he's such a freak. I mean, he's still playing left tackle for 15 seasons so if anyone's gonna bounce back at this age he's going to do mm -hmm. it um you know whether or not he can do it in time to come back and actually play this season if they get to the playoffs like that remains to be seen i know they're very optimistic and andrew i mean he's been chronicling it already on his instagram if you're not following him like his rehab and trying to get going again um so if anyone can do it he can do it but you know in the meantime the rams are trying to to prepare with Joe Nobum there. What is what the, the one of the reasons people were skeptical of the of the Rams coming into the season was because the offensive line was a little shoddy. You know, they they kind of got it together at the end of last year, but there were a lot of questions around the line this season. Mm -hmm. It has been very good. Why? It, some of it has to do with scheme, uh, a lot of play action, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're not having to block as long. Jared's really not taking the shots down the field. So part of that's scheme-wise, right? A lot of that's also elevated level of play. I mean, last year the line was so beat up um, that young guys like David Edwards got a shot. You know, Austin Blythe had to move from guard to center. So he's back at center this season. Um, Austin Corbett was new in a role last year. He's back at right guard. Uh, Rob Havenstein was had – rough go last season before he got hurt. I mean, so all of those guys, I mean, it's the experience, it's getting healthy. It's just coming back and kind of kicking it back into gear. If you're Rob um, off that injury, it's, it's really a combination of all kinds of things that are going their way. Yeah. It's going to, I mean, it's going to be a really big deal. It's also though, I mean, like you mentioned with Noteboom, this is a real opportunity for him Yeah, because it's I mean, like to see him in, in a high leverage position, in really important games, you know, for the Rams to, at best, try to keep themselves paced to win the uh, to win the NFC West. Mm -hmm. At worst, just to make sure they make the playoffs because they got Arizona right behind them, and it's it's tight. I mean, th this division's crazy tight. The division's tight. I, I do think. I mean, the division very well could send three teams. Right, the NFL's playoff seven teams from each. Oh, yeah, conference. I think they like, will. That's golden if you're in the NFC West right now because it is such a good division. You guys, I think like 
The NFC West teams are at seven wins in the NFC East. What? And no team has more than three wins unless well, I haven't. Let me go check the records from the weekend. Yeah, I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. The the NFC East uh, is led by the first place Philadelphia Eagles at three, five and one. Yeah. <laughs> and the Giants are right behind them, a game behind them at three and seven. Yeah. The, the Rams fourth place team, the 49ers, they have four wins. Yes. I know. That's how bad that division is. So one, they should be disqualified from the playoffs. That's never going to happen. No, um, they, but they really should. I mean, and all, all joking aside, it's a waste of everybody's time right. to have one of those teams in there because n- none of them are good. I mean, it, it really, it, it really just wastes it's, it's everyone. Just, I mean, they're not even not good. They're horrific. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not like like a you know to, to quote uh, the old Jeff Fisher. We're not talking about like some seven and nine bullshit, like. None of the, those teams would all be lucky if they reach seven and nine. Well, the and, you know, they're not going to get the only reason the Eagles might win six or seven games is because they still have a couple games left against their own division. Yeah. Like, that's it. But, like, the Eagles, I mean, the Eagles have the Browns, Cleveland's better than, than Philly. They have the Seahawks, they have the Packers, the Saints, the Cardinals, wow. the Cowboys, <laughs> and Washington. Like, like they're, they're what, maybe to they, if they get to six wins, it'll be. It'll be like we, we're going to get a six-win max playoff team out of that division, which is kind yeah. of stunning. And get this: the uh, Cardinals and the Rams have the third and fourth most difficult remaining strength of schedule, and they're still going to get in the playoffs. I, I think the Cardinals get in. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, but I mean, and honestly, if the Niners weren't so beat up, yeah. other than again the, the the NFC West teams having to play each other. Right. As many times as they do, you could actually, you know, given the extra spot, the fact that the end, it's not like the North is very good either. Um, you know, you could totally make a, a case for all four teams from the NFC West being good enough to get in the playoffs. And I mean, it's just that's the that's the 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 world that the Rams live in right now. Um, I guess the you know the Seahawks move into first place uh, based on you know, tonight's win over over the Cardinals. I it doesn't get easy like you, you when, when the rams look at like who they have left like what they do they the, what do they think about this well they play the jets and they play the patriots but even the patriots don't i mean they they were going they were on the down tick there for a while down downhill slide but even the patriots we can't really count them out um you know it's a thursday night game it's on short week that's uh Double check what game they're coming off of. Yeah, they're coming off the Cardinals game in Phoenix, and they have the Patriots on a Thursday night. So that's um, those are always hard to predict. Yeah, very very hard to predict. So basically, they have the Jets. Like I'm going to put a win in the column against the Jets. Other than that, it's a really tough schedule. Um, taking a look at this weekend, and uh, we were talking a lot about the offense. Moving on to the Rams defense, which has really been great this season. When you look at taken on all those different weapons that Tampa has. And you've got Chris Godwin, you've got Mike Evans, you've got Antonio Brown, Gronk. Who are you predicting is going to get the Jalen Ramsey treatment? Yeah. And, I oh, sorry. Didn't mean to cut you off. Well, I was going to say, do, do, you, do you think they'll do it the same way as they did with, uh, with DK Metcalf? I don't, you know, I don't think they will watch famous last words. I'm going to say Lindsay was wrong. Um, 
But because the Bucs have so many weapons, I mean, not to say the Seahawks didn't, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, both fantastic. Uh, but the Bucs have so many weapons that I'm just not going to be surprised if Jalen is lining up all over the place. Now, if someone gets hot, maybe they change their um, approach. But I'm just not, you know, maybe we'll see him line up on Gronk. Who knows? Um, he's so versatile. And he has one thing continues to stick out about Jalen. Well, many things stick out about Jalen. But before the season, he said, I don't want to be a cornerback anymore. Like, I, I refer to my, I think of myself more as a defensive back. I mean, that guy believes he can play everywhere on the field. And he's proven this season in a very short span of time that he absolutely can. So I think the Rams would be wise to use him. Um, wherever, however necessary. And I don't think that necessarily means on one player um, for the entire game. You also wrote a really cool piece um, a couple of days ago about Darius Williams. And, yeah. you know, like, you're welcome. Um, the way uh, is, 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 by the way, the piece coming up, is it a follow up? To the Darius Williams piece, not, like, is it, but if like, you enjoyed that Darius Williams piece, you're gonna enjoy what I have coming for you next, Andy. Okay. If you love Darius Williams, you'll love, love Darius Williams. Yeah. Can you can you tell um, a what what do you think has worked so well for him this year? Because like Jalen Ramsey, among other people, has just been raving about him. But also, too, can you break down for some of the people watching right now his story? Because I I didn't know really anything about him. And it's a pretty amazing story of perseverance. Yeah, you know, I didn't really know much about him either because, like, look, Darius Williams very quietly snuck into the starting lineup at the end of last season. Troy Hill had a was a hand injury, so he was out the final two games. Darius Williams comes in week 17, pick against the 49ers. Week 17, pick against the Arizona Cardinals. And then it's like, you know, what are the Rams going to do at cornerback opposite of uh, Jalen Ramsey this year? And we're being told, Darius Williams. I thought, is Darius Williams a starting caliber game in and game out cornerback? I mean, he's going to have so many balls thrown his way. He's playing opposite of Jalen Ramsey. He's getting no targets. Um, and Darius Williams has blown everybody away, except for everyone who plays with Darius Williams because they know how great he is. Um, so his story, get this. So he went to a D3 school, uh, played football for a season, wasn't in love with it, um, just the school, the area. So he went back home. And then he tried to, Jacksonville, Florida, tried to walk on at UAB, University of Alabama, Birmingham. And they didn't have a spot for him. They said, no, don't have a spot for you. New coach <laughs> next season. It is a pretty big powerhouse, to be fair, though. I mean, totally, like, right? Like, I can understand. Hard nut to crack. Room for future yeah. NFL talent. Next season, new coach. He tried out again, and he made it. Uh, walked on earned a starting spot, earned a scholarship. But then I, if you guys remember, I remember all this song because I was covering college football at the time. UAB's program folds. I uh, just dismantled like six months later, you know, yeah. after a ton of backlash. Okay, we'll reinstate the program. But they didn't actually play the 2016, 2015 or 2016 season. And in the meantime, Darius went home, went to college, like a local school, and he worked as a flower delivery person for the local hardware store uh, before he went back to UAB for his final season. So he played two seasons at UAB in the span of many years because of that, how that program went. Went undrafted, did not get drafted. Ravens picked him up as a UDFA. He got cut. And then the Rams got him. And now, like, he's balling. He has four interceptions, like, top ten in all the categories uh, for defensive backs. Like, he's just been phenomenal. That was a long story. But how does this happen? Like, I mean, because look, I mean, the NFL, 
they will talent. They will always find you, and 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 yeah. and, and, well, and, and that. Happens. But how does this guy? How do you go? How how do you slip through the cracks like that? I mean, I realize he's in the league. They, they yeah. someone found him and put him there. But at the same time, you would th- was he a well, late bloomer? Like what happened that allowed him to thing, become right? this guy? People peak at different times. I was actually I called Akeem Talib about it because Darius mentioned that Akeem Talib took him under his wing, and so I called Akeem and said, "What? What is this guy's deal? What? What's?" And Akeem said, "Look, we knew like me and Marcus Peters when we had him in the meeting rooms, and we saw his stuff, and we saw him on the practice field. Like we knew right away, like this guy is different, like the way he moves, how fast he is, and and he just wanted to ask Akeem every question possible about what he sees on film." why he broke there, why he broke there. And so he's obviously studied the game. Um, so I, I don't know. Like, I don't know how a guy like that slips through in college and then slips through and doesn't get drafted. I mean, the Rams, the Rams had that same story with Corey Littleton. I mean, you know, yeah. he, he was really, really overlooked and he ended up a pro bowler. Yeah. And Corey Littleton, I mean, I, I he actually obviously went to Washington, um, his story really, I mean, he was in between our right DN linebacker, didn't really have a position. Everyone in the NFL was calling him a tweener, like not sure where he'd play. So it kind of made a little bit of sense why he, you know, didn't get drafted. But Darius Williams, I mean, he's, you could say he's short, he's 5'9, but there's a lot. Uh, Nikel Ruby Coleman was like my height, if not a little shorter, uh, like 5'7. <laughs> I mean, you guys no, he's know. a little bit. For the record, Lindsay yeah. Theory is four foot eight. Five, seven, and three quarters. <laughs> um, well, during your volleyball days, the three quarters really did matter. Like, I was five, you, eight, you, <laughs> Why so short? I, I would have given yourself five, nine, and three quarters. I wish yeah, I, I mean, it was, it, it was, I, I, like I said, I didn't know anything about Darius. And it's, it's pretty cool to see him yeah. in an opportunity, especially too with that secondary. They keep having guys in and out. It's nice that somebody like him is able to break through when you, when you need some type of consistency with just who's available. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he has done a phenomenal job. I mean, again, the amount of pressure that is on him when you have Jalen Ramsey on the other side of the field, like no one is throwing the ball at Jalen Ramsey. You are getting, you know, every play, like if it's a passing play, it's probably coming to you. So to stand up in those moments, I mean, he had an interception in the end zone in Philadelphia. In Buffalo, bogus call. He should have had the game-winning play, um, breaking up a pass or on defense. He didn't break up the pass, but he defended the receiver. Uh, it was great defense. Flag comes out late. Should have been Rams win there. Uh, he had pick that sealed the win the next week against the Giants. I mean, this guy has been so clutch. That doesn't happen by mistake. What what happens because like you know a guy like Taylor Rapp's been in and out, in and out of the lineup and he was sort of I think coming into this he just got hurt again was, yeah yeah somebody fans expected you know to be a, a really big part of the defense when when everybody's back like you know, what what does this sort of thing look like you know do they have an expectation of of where the defense could be both from a personnel standpoint and a performance standpoint in five or six weeks as the you know hopefully the playoffs start. Yeah, Taylor Rapp, they said about three to four weeks. Um, mm-hmm. so he can easily be back uh, come the end of the season, come ready for the playoffs. Uh, they've been using a lot of three safeties. So that's John Johnson, um, Taylor Rapp, Jordan Fuller, the rookie, who is now back on IR. Yeah. yeah, he's been terrific. Um, 
here's the thing. I mean, the one thing also on this defense, it's kind of hard to keep track of if I'm being completely transparent, only because they are subbing a lot. There are so many substitutions on the front and on the back end of it. I mean, they those guys are staying fresh. Um, so that's been a little bit different than maybe what we've seen in the past. A lot, I mean, a lot of guys, uh, Leonard Floyd has been a constant at one of those edge spots, but the other side's been a bit of a rotation. So it's a little bit tough to keep track of everybody, like in the moment while, while the game's happening. Um, but I think that's a benefit to the Rams. I mean, one ton of experience for everybody, but also people are fresh and, and they're right. going to legs longer all season. The, the last part of the defense before we let, let you go here and, and you know, get back to your real work. Um, the, the, a lot was made out of the linebacking core and the, yeah. the fact that they might not have a very good one. Um, the defense has obviously been very good. You still don't hear a lot about the linebackers, um, but you know, it hasn't hurt them. Why, what has worked well and why hasn't this been a problem? Uh, well, I think that, uh, the reason, one of the reasons why the Rams will one a little short on cash, but two, uh, one of the reasons why they were able to go into the season with like Micah Kaiser, um, Kenny Young, uh, Troy Reader, Trayvon Howard obviously got hurt before the season. Um, I don't know that this position, I don't know in Brandon Staley's scheme that it's a position you need to put a premium on. Um, okay. You know, it's, a, it's someone to plug up a hole, and those guys have done a nice job, and I don't want to take anything away from them because they have done a good, nice job. But it's not necessarily the playmaker in this scheme, right? It, it The way they're using Jalen Ramsey, like, they're putting him in a position to get to the ball, uh, the way that they use all their defensive backs, really. So, again, it, it's they're, they're doing fine. They're doing a sufficient job. But in this scheme, it's just not a premium position. It's just funny. Just traditionally, you think of, like, middle linebacker as the most important part of any yeah. defense. Like, it, like, it's hard to retrain your mind not to be focusing yeah, on that area. Who plays that position for the Rams? Like if they even have a middle linebacker. Well, but I'm mean, like, yeah, remember when, no, you're right. You're absolutely like when right. Alec Ogletree, when Alec Ogletree left a couple of years ago. Like you know, the idea of whether Corey Littleton would be ready, and you know, like how do you replace somebody? Like you know, Ogletree, it, you know, he was a good linebacker, but he was a really big leader in that locker room. Like you know, he was somebody that yeah, he was. That was stunning when they let him go. But yeah, like, in Wade Phillips' scheme. Which uh, Brandon Staley still runs a three four like Wade in, you know, installed. Uh, it wasn't a premium like they just didn't need yeah. to pay the middle linebacker that much money in that scheme. And I think that's the same thing we're seeing here. They that just doesn't need to happen like that. Uh, and Corey Littleton was I mean he developed into be a monster uh, ability to real. I mean his ball skills were pretty great for a middle linebacker inside linebacker. Um, but again, just not something that you need in, in this three four. It just goes to show that these guys know more about football than I do, um, which also better pass blockers. Some of them, I think. I'm willing to bet all of them. I'm willing yeah. to bet every single one of them. I was more than happy to take contact when I was carrying the ball as a running back. I didn't like, like it if I didn't have the McVay, ball. McVeigh was a quarterback, correct? He was. I'm willing to bet McVeigh was a better pass blocker than you were. I bet he was. I'm, I, sure. I'm, not, I'm not debating <laughs> the point. Um, who wins on Monday? Uh, I believe I officially have the Rams. I think at the 20, ooh, 26, 21. I can't remember Any, my official ESPN pick, but I do have the Rams winning. I think they're deep. Nice. This for real. Any thoughts on – whether Chris Godwin or Ronald Jones would be a better fantasy play 
against this defense or sit or sit them both or sit them both. I need Lindsay's insight. I don't think I'd go with Godwin. Um, I currently haven't benched. Yeah. I'd go with Ronald Jones to fight on forever. Right. Yeah. There you go. Man, I feel old now. Ronald Jones. We were covering him back in the day, and he was always talking about Whataburger. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he talked all the time about Whataburger. He, he yeah, did, actually. He talked about Whataburger. Proud Texan, hamburger-eating Texan. Yeah, um, we're all getting old. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. That's we all funny. are. Uh, Lindsay Theory covers the Rams for ESPN, covers the NFL for ESPN, does an outstanding job, and actually has work to do tonight that she stopped to do this, which we always appreciate. Big, big secret you. story coming out tomorrow, so be on the lookout yeah, for it. ESPN.com. Monday. Monday. Monday? Conjunction with Monday Night Football. Wait, Monday? Oh, then you've got an extra 15 minutes for us. It's only on Monday? How slow are your editors for crying no, out loud? No, no, my editors are terrific. It is a long story. And I mean, you editors don't get enough credit. I mean, some of the things that I turn in—they're not watching, Lindsay. I promise, they're they're not watching this show. Maybe they're they're like TikTok. Where's my story? (laughs) Maybe they are. You are only as good as your editor. That is true. Editors are awesome. Yeah, the only reason the editors are watching this is they tuned in because they saw on our Twitter feed. They're like, "What the hell is she doing? She should be writing." I know that's happening. You know what's going to happen. All right, right. anything I can do to make their lives easier, I'm doing it. All right. Well, uh, he's uh, off. This 11. is up for if if she's up for it, we're up for it. Lindsay needs to be a weekly guest. We would never ask somebody to stay up late every week, but we will have you back soon if you can. You guys, I appreciate you sticking by me. I know that I pulled a late cancellation. No, but you've had some too with, many with pause. Uh, yeah, this the, the you are flaky. Don't worry yes, about it. We okay. totally understand. Uh, All right, go get we'll your talk work to you done. Soon. See you later. Thanks for having me. See you. Oh. I think I let oh. her go. Wait, sorry. Were you saying something? Sorry. Okay, she's back. Too early. Okay, let us know when do you want to go officially. I want to go, go now, but I see. I see the leave studio button now. I'm out. Okay. okay. <laughs> so I got it's the first time that's ever happened before. Yeah, <laughs> brought somebody back. Yeah, usually we have to hide that leave studio button. <laughs> no, it's too tempting. People are constantly trying to escape. No, the, actually, the fact that people don't know where it is maybe could explain why people stay the whole hour. Like, they yeah. just don't know how to leave. Like, they, it's, it's like an escape hatch they can't find. I know. Like, basically, the entire show is an escape room. <laughs> we, we're actually slow we, we we spend most of the show dropping little clues as to how people can get out of the room i i will say like look i i i can't break down football like um you know really any of these people that we have on the show which is why we have them on the show but the rams at this point it is very clear the rams are better than i thought they'd be i mean like and and they're what's what's interesting to me about it is they're better for different reasons than i thought like and I think that's true for a lot of things. I think you know the defense has been much more effective than people thought it would be. They're running the ball. Um, you know the offensive line has just been better than I think most people expected. Well, you it know, would somebody, be. And I don't. But remember. it hasn't been because like Goff has stepped up and been awesome, or the offense is just trucking along and it you know at a great pace. It, it hasn't looked, I think, the way that people thought. It's just been effective. Well, like, uh, I think it was Chris in the chat pointing this out. My apologies if I'm uh, crediting the wrong person. But the Rams last season, like the last four or five games, when they finally had the same lineman every game, started mm-hmm. looking better. 
It like does, the, true. The early half of the season, part of the reason the offense was so bad, you know, Gurley clearly wasn't himself. And like Lindsay pointed out earlier, the entire offense was built around Todd Gurley. And, you know, you had the whole soap opera going on with the way he was being used, which he clearly wasn't happy about. And, you know, Sean McVay clearly was apprehensive on a lot of different levels to use him the way he had the first couple of years when the Rams were the best, you know, arguably the best offense in football. But also, too, they kept having injuries along the line and that moving guys to different positions. And, the, and, and that continuity, and they had so much continuity in the years before that to lose it um, was, was significant, obviously. But the other thing about it is, too, is like you started part of the reason the offensive line got better as the year went along was both continuity and that's when McVay started to change the personnel. It's when he went and started, you know, they were doing more of the, you know, the, the multiple tight end sets and doing all that kind of stuff. So you started to see his, his flexibility. Um, but it's, you know, the, the, you know, there's still, I mean, look, the first half of the schedule, like we can all agree was easy. Yes, it was. You know, we, we spent a lot of time making fun of the NFC East. That's where the Rams ran up a lot of their record. So, you know, it is still remains to be seen to some degree how they hold up against this second half, um, second half schedule. And they got off to a good start last week, beating the beating the Seahawks. I thought in a, you know, it was you know they they won that game by seven, but I thought the Rams you know controlled that game. You know, they they were definitely the better team. But you know, you run that first half record up against the the Cowboys, the Eagles. You lose to Buffalo despite the comeback. You beat the Giants. Great. You beat Washington. Great. You beat a beat up 49er or you lose to a 49ers team in like the one week they're semi healthy. You know, you lose to a Dolphins team, which Dolphins better, turned you know, out are actually better, good better than people think. But like they they got their asses kicked in that game. Yes, they did. Yes, um, they did. So, but, you know, that was also a game, too, where Sean McVay, you know, I think you actually made this observation. Sean, Sean McVay, if you, we've. You know, we don't cover this team day in, day out, but we've been around it a while. Yeah. McVay will always after say, every even game. after every game, even games where they win by 30. Yes. McVay will say that there's a lot he needs to I gotta do, better. do better. That's I just the be standard line. Yes. In this particular case, as you pointed out, this was golf. I mean, this was McVay being completely yeah, transparently honest. Game. Like it was not self effacing. This was real. But and it was better in Seattle. It was. It was better in Seattle, but you know, you go Tampa, you've you know got the Niners again, you know, you got the Cardinals twice, and we went through the schedule already. But like you know, it's not it's not guaranteed like that the you know will I think we really will learn a lot whether they win or lose. If they play a very competitive game in Tampa on Monday night, I think you can feel pretty comfortable about how they're gonna get through the rest of the of the season that you know they can split with the Cardinals, that they can not drop games against the Patriots and Jets and do something really stupid, you know, that, that, well, that I mean, first up. of all, just for and get in the playoffs, just for pole position purposes, getting that win against Seattle was huge. And, and they caught Seattle at a good time. They, Seattle was pretty banged up when they played them. But the bottom line is when the division is this tight and you're looking to rise up as much it as matters. possible, it really matters. Well, I'm not going to get greedy about this. Like if, if the Rams, you know they have an opportunity. You beat Tampa Bay, and you know you have an opportunity to be a number one seed in the in the in the in the NFC. I mean Tampa, you know the the that would put the Rams at seven and three, the Seahawks at seven and three, with the Rams having the early tiebreaker in Green Bay at seven and two. You know the Saints are seven and two. Like you're right up there with all of these quality teams, and who knows how the Saints do without Drew Brees for a few weeks? I 
I'm not getting greedy though. Like if the just get in the playoffs. Or just get a kicker. Just get a kicker. That's the other thing. It's so bizarre the way they can't find a kicker who can stay healthy, even much less actually <laughs> kick. It seems like it's been worse this year. Like there are more teams that look like I always wondered. I don't like particularly like college football. I don't pay that close attention to it. But like I've always been mystified by how teams like Alabama, you know, great programs can have shitty kickers. Like they, 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 they the the eleventh outside linebacker on the roster ends up getting drafted. But they can't find one guy to be a decent kicker, and like this, you know, this happens at major college programs far more often than you would think, where they won't give up like one scholarship to find a decent kicker, which can be the the difference between making a title game and not. But to see that at the pro level, where you know the Rams have chewed through kickers, Jacksonville has chewed through kickers this year, Tennessee with Goskowski can't make a kick this year. Like they're even beyond like moving the the extra point to you know out of chip shot territory it's just it's mystifying to me that they can't find when teams can't find at least a semi-reliable kicker and it's cost the rams i think not you know not just the you know the four to six points a week that they're losing literally from missing kicks i think it's absolutely changed the way mcveigh is called plays i mean like you know they, they were more than happy to let zerline line up from 52 every time last year I, I was listening to uh, sort of prepping up a little bit for for Lindsay coming on tonight. I what was we listening. Do. Yeah, I was listening to the eleven uh, man personnel, the the athletic podcast with Jordan uh, Jordan Rodriguez and Rich Hammond. And I don't know for sure if Jordan was talking about this like this was. I guess it has to be a press conference setting because the, there's no direct contact with any of these people in the COVID age. But McVeigh said in so many words you don't really know what you have in greg zerline until he's gone yes you know and i mean like i think it he even said like and you know he's been very very complimentary of zerline over the years as everybody was because the guy was amazing but you i don't want to say take him for granted but you it starts becoming normal that a guy can make like a 55 yard field goal and you don't really have to worry about it no i i and i knew they were doomed the minute that 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 Sam Sloman was like, oh no no, it's Samuel. That is not no. That is no. Samuel is not a name of the guy. You Especially want when your last in. name is when your last Sloman. name is Sloman. Yeah, yeah, like you want to be Sammy if nothing else. Like Sammy Sloman, maybe That's but better. Samuel. Sam Sam Sloman's fine. Sammy Sloman's okay. Samuel, no, that's not going to get it done. It's no. not. And I'm I, you know and and you know they. He he had his deal where he would miss miss what the opening kick every single time, like he's got to get one out of the way. Like that's your mulligan. That's not how this works. And <laughs> you're like you, it 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 you know. Hopefully Matt Gay, you know, like the revenge game, the whole revenge game for the kicker thing works out. But they have you. They're not going to win anything that this year without a kicker. No, they, they got to no. come up with something. No, it's a it's a really really big deal. And again, like you you start taking it for granted. I mean, again, I don't want to say it like that because it found, it feels cliche, but after a while when you have a kicker as good as as Zerline, like you 
it starts just becoming force of habit go, that he's an option whenever. Go back to it. Really, I mean, beyond the, beyond how it opens up your play calling, um, and the and the, the flexibility you have, knowing that okay, you know, we can we can we can make plays towards the end zone. We can be more aggressive, whatever it is, because I know we have a guy who can kick a forty-eight yard field goal or a fifty-two yard field goal or whatever it might be. We when we were talking to Chris Harry earlier in the week, um, like the, the Chargers. They're not really a good team right now, but they'd be much closer to 500 if they had competent special teams. There's something about bad special teams that is especially deflating, about a decent drive where you go from your own 20 and you chew up five or six minutes and you get to the other team's 30 and you miss a field goal that is even more deflating than like a three and out or well, a I mean, turnover. Look, and so when you miss kicks, when you have a you know, you get a punt blocked, you Special teams are, are things that like you're only supposed to notice when they go wrong. Okay. Speak speaking or you know you notice when they cover a team's ass. Like the, we you and I covered the first year the Rams were in LA but with the Jeff only Fisher thing they could do right was special teams. The only thing they could do right was special teams, but specifically yes. Johnny Hecker. Yes. Johnny Hecker was Todd Gurley was their best I'd say Aaron Donald was their best player. Johnny Hecker was their second best player. Todd Gurley was third and fourth. Who cares? Right. Like I mean, like it. Do, it doesn't matter. It's not. Again, it's not good when you're punting. No, it's your best. But I mean, player, like as but it bad, does mean, it makes a difference. As bad as that team was, and they were awful, particularly off. I mean, defensively, they actually were not terrible. Terrifying. I mean, there also were, too, teams were very conservative against them because they knew once they got to fourteen right. on the scoreboard, the game was over. But as bad as that group was, do you know how awful they would have been without Johnny Hecker basically just digging them out of holes with those punts? Yeah, it's, it's I mean, absolutely. The, they they would have given up double, like they would have given up double the the averages with, it, it, with everything it's, going it's, on there. It's just it's a it, I, I but I do think like mentally, because you know, mom used to talk about this when they would go to the games in St. Louis, because um, and, and 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 you know she would knit. <laughs> uh, that's what she would do. She would go as she said the the dome in St. Louis. She had no interest in football. She didn't like watching. She hates movie. football. She didn't like watching it when we played. She nope. certainly didn't like watching it when we weren't playing. Um, but she liked to go to the games because they had the best lighting in the city, she said, for knitting. And needle um, pointing. And needle pointing. So she would go and bring her stuff. This is back in, in the day where you could do these sorts of yes. things. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> you cannot a, do that now. No, where a five-foot, you know, 90-pound little Jewish lady with her knitting <laughs> needles would be seen as a threat. Um <laughs> But I, but I digress. Uh, she, her big thing. I'm getting she, somewhere, people. I she promise. would always look at Jeff Wilkins, who was the kicker at the time, and feel sad for him because nobody would talk to him. Yeah. Like all the other, everybody else on the team seemed like they were friends, and nobody would talk to the kicker. And it's because they don't like him. And I, I don't mean Jeff Wilkins. I mean him, the kicker. They don't like him because these guys kill each other. And then, you know, the, the dude in the clean uniform, and, and we've all heard all these cliches and stuff before, but it's, it's true, comes out and, like, everything they've done is hinging on whether or not this guy can kick the ball through. It's, it's even, to some degree, it's even weird football has kicks. i be honest with you. But, um, like, that, it's, when they fail, it really, really messes 
I think, with the psychology of a team. It, it messes with the psychology of a coach. It messes with everything. When well, you I mean, can't cover kicks, when you can't kick kicks, all that stuff. It's the equivalent in a lot of ways of if you're if you're a basketball team that can really grind defensively, but you can't score, it becomes deflating after a while. I mean, when yeah. you're when you're out there, it's, it, it's exactly. not even it's not even that guys aren't willing to play defense a whole game. But at some point, man, it's like you want to see it paid off. Yes, and I think that's true. It's like it is more deflating for a team to not be able to score than it is to not be able to get stops. Absolutely, one hundred percent. And um, if if you ask these guys, and you know, really can get them candid, they'll all admit it's the same thing. As much even teams that consider themselves defensively oriented teams, you know, defense first teams, if you get them candid, they will admit. Yeah, it, it takes the wind out of you if you cannot score. If you really struggle to score, right? Like, and I and I and I think that's like you know, and we're gonna get way back into you know tomorrow with the NBA. Um, you know, is is the opening of free agency? So sh- there's going to be some stuff going on. And tomorrow night we'll have Mo Dekeel on from uh, Bleacher Report and the Athletic uh, talking about stuff. But like, like that's one of the things that I think worried people about the Lakers going into the bubble and into the playoffs was like you if you run into a situation where if you can't score, like when you have to go through an entire playoffs grinding through on your defense and just entirely reliant on your defense being epic all the time. Um, it, that's hard. That it puts it's pressure. So. No. Absolutely, absolutely. So the Rams need to get that together. Hopefully, hopefully they, hopefully whoever it is that's going to be kicking for them permanently for the rest that of this season. Hopefully, that's the last one. I was going to say, I, I'm not, I'm not quite ready to say it's Matt Gay just because this whole season has been such a roller coaster. But hopefully, it's him. Hopefully, he can get the job done because it'll make a big difference for the Rams. Uh, all right. So uh, as you see here, scrolling under, I mentioned Mo Dekeel coming on tomorrow. We are going to take the Thanksgiving week off and pretend it's a normal Thanksgiving week where people are away from their uh, computers and they're traveling and they're with family and friends and they're doing all this stuff. Uh, and sort of disconnecting, um, we're going to do it. <laughs> if, if you don't, we, we yes. can't do the family and friends stuff. Uh, like most people, we are in the same boat as everyone else, but we are going to take the holiday week off. But the week following, I'm telling you people, we've already got guests lined up. Like already, like we are, we are, yeah. we are ready for you guys the week after the holiday. So, uh, you know, uh, tomorrow night though, tune in, beginning of NBA free agency, and Mo DeKeel from Bleacher Report and The Athletic will be our guest. We love Mo, and he's Mo's always the best. The best. Um, okay, cool. We'll see everybody tomorrow. Thank you, Nidalan.